0: Welcome to the I want to know podcast. I'm Josh Spector and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. And here's how we do that. In each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have about a 10 minute conversation about each of them. And that's it, no fluff, no stories about what they did in kindergarten, and hopefully lots of actionable, specific tips and tactics you can use to grow your audience and business. Today's guest I met on Twitter and we had a conversation and I invited him to come on so we could dive deeper into it. And I am excited to have him. His name is Yang soo Chung. Yang soo is a serial entrepreneur and the founder of Urban EDC an e-commerce brand specializing in everyday carry tools, and GrowthJet, a climate-neutral certified third-party logistics company. He bootstrapped his business to eight figures in revenue, and now he's sharing his knowledge and lessons he learned through First Class Founders, a weekly podcast helping creators with actionable tips on building a sustainable business from scratch. You can find him on Twitter at Young Soo Chung, and listen to his new podcast at firstclassfounders.com. So, with all of that in mind, hey, yang Su, welcome to the show. Hey, Josh. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to have you here, and I know we're going to, your questions, we're going to talk a lot in this episode about something we haven't actually talked much about so far on the show, which is early days as a creator, early days as an entrepreneur when you're first getting started, when you don't have much of an audience and and what all that is like. So let's jump into it. What is the first question you'd like to ask?
1: Yeah, so I have some business experience and now I'm kind of shifting my focus from my business to helping other entrepreneurs out. And this creator, creating content and being a creator is all relatively new to me. And so Mm -hmm. I really... I'm curious to hear about kind of the early days of how you persevered through, I'm guessing at some point you didn't have an audience and how did (laughs) you?
0: Yeah, we all started zero.
1: (laughs) So how did you get through those days? And yeah, what was that like? So let me, I have
0: a few thoughts and stuff to share about this, but let me first ask you as you're in it now, what do you find, what are you finding are the hardest parts?
1: So for me i am well first of all the content creation takes a lot longer than i thought so yeah. i have a lot of ideas but trying to write them down and i have a podcast i'm I, essentially i'm so i'm scripting my podcast because i want to get all my ideas out mm-hmm. there and I'm trying to get everything in there weekly consistently and <laughs> in an organized manner where there's a really good hook a main body of the content and then a conclusion like that's been really different for me trying to organize ideas and thoughts and so i guess the biggest challenge for me is kind of content creation and then when i put out these bits of pieces of content i don't know what the reception will be and a lot of times there's no reception and i'm like okay well i I spent a lot of time thinking about all this but there's sometimes there's just nothing yeah that's been a little bit challenging but at the same time i'm learning to except that this is like a science experiment. And so I just put things out there, see what works, then iterate based on that. But it's been really humbling because I'm used to, I've I've grown businesses, so I'm used to- You've
0: had a lot of success and now this is a whole new thing and yeah, it it takes time. No, I think everything you said, I'm sure everyone can relate to, both people that have reached a certain level of success or audience because they remember what it was like to start and people that are just starting out and trying to figure it out as you said it is a lot of work and initially it takes time no matter how great your content is it takes time to grow an audience and there is a lot of i made this thing and i put it out and nobody cared or one or two people cared or and you're sort of you feel stuck at that level and it can be for a while so let me go back and tell you a little bit about kind of my trajectory in early days and when i was in that moment and some things that i think helped me in retrospect because i think a lot of people they don't get past that moment. They either give up or it's too frustrating or they think it's not—it's never gonna work. And so I do think that's a key moment for a lot of people. So just for some context, I've been doing some version of this sort of online content thing for a really long time. So my first blog was in 1999. And so I started my early quote unquote early days we're at a time where there was no YouTube. You could honestly, my first blog was on Blogger and you couldn't even upload a photo. So it was literally just some text and link. So it was the no social media. And I remember people be like, you have a blog? What's a blog? That's crazy. Like the concept that any of this could be a business or have a big audience or any of that stuff almost didn't really exist. So the nice thing was... There was a little less of that pressure than there probably is now where you're like, well, all these other people are getting an audience. Why can't I get an audience? Like I just thought it was really cool to be able to like self publish something, to be able right. to take my ideas and thoughts and put them on, put them out on the internet and have a few of my friends read them or whatever. That helped in some ways because I didn't have what we have now of the self imposed pressure. I certainly never thought, Oh, this is going to be a career for me. It was just like a thing I was doing and it was exciting because it was all so new. So it was exciting to just have the opportunity to put stuff out into the world. So that certainly helped me. But that said over the years, as I got more and more serious about it and social media came and I was still starting from zero because it wasn't like I had a huge audience or anything like that. And so I can definitely relate to what it's like to start now. A few of the things that I think really helped me. One is, From the very beginning, and now I'm talking about when I did start to take it more seriously versus that initial blog, which was kind of just for fun or whatever. I always had a long-term view. So I was never trying to go viral. I never had the expectation that I was going to get this big audience right away. I wasn't even really trying to monetize it. Even my current newsletter now, which I started in 2016, I did not directly monetize it at all for like over four years. So I didn't have these sort of huge expectations. I was like, look, I'm doing this thing. I'd like to grow an audience. Hopefully it's steadily growing, even if it's slow and even if there's peaks and valleys or plateaus. So I think that really helped. I think a lot of people go into it thinking it's going to happen overnight and that's not going to happen. Or they see, they see people who are like, oh, look, that person added... 500, that added 100,000 followers in six months. And it's like looking at a lottery winner and going, I'm going to get rich by winning the lottery. Like, yeah, maybe you will, but probably not. So that I think is part of it. The other part of it is, and I think this was very true again when I started because so much was new, but it's still true today because things are always evolving. I was always experimenting. I was always, well, let me see what happens if I use this tool, or I write this kind of blog post, or I do, it was all sort of one ongoing experiment to me. And through that experimentation, I was trying to learn what worked for me, but also what I liked, what I didn't like, what I wanted to do, what sort of felt right, what happens if I do this, what happens if I do it this way. And I think that mindset of this is all one big experiment removed a lot of the pressure of failing because Mm -hmm. it was like, well, no, I'm just trying to find my way. I don't expect to, I don't, it's funny how I had someone say to me once, I used to run social media for Academy of Motion Pictures and other stuff. And I was talking to someone else who ran social media for a large company or organization. And they said, what's really unique about this job is everybody thinks because they're on Facebook, they know what you should do on Facebook. (laughs) Like it's this, it's like, I, nobody's going up to a technical engineer and being like, I'm going to tell you how you should do it. Cause they know they don't have that expertise, but they, they don't have that expertise in social media either, but they feel like they do because they use the platforms. They don't realize it's a whole, it's a whole other thing. So that experimental mindset and that acknowledgement of why should I be an expert when I've been doing this for six months? Like this is going to take time for me, just like anything else for me to figure out and get good at. The other thing that I think helped me was it was never purely about attention or vanity for me. I genuinely wanted to help people and I genuinely wanted to provide value to people. And I think there's a lot of people that they, I see it all the time. I see it a lot on Instagram, but that's a whole other story. I see a lot of people where they're running their business, but they're really in it for the likes really in it for that pension boost for the dopamine and you can see it right you can see that they're doing posts and they're doing they're doing all the sort of things they're supposed to do to get likes and get engagement but you can see if that's that engagement is hollow and it's not actually leading to business for that and i don't i'm not saying they're doing this consciously but i do think there's people that are more attracted to that and i think those people are way more likely to struggle either way, because if they don't, if they struggle to grow an audience, they struggle to get the attention they want, that's going to feel really bad and they're going to get really down on themselves. But even if they get that attention and their business is failing, they get frustrated the other way because they go in their mind, they're going, I'm doing all the right things. I built this huge audience and my business isn't working. So that I think is the thing that really helped me is that I really wasn't in it for that. The other thing I would say is I think it's helpful to, when you're in that space, and this is something I think that I only learned or realized later on, once I had built something of an audience, that there are a lot of advantages to not having an audience and to those early days that I think people don't realize or think about. There's a freedom to it. There's a freedom that, and I'm lucky I have a great audience. I don't get trolls. I don't get haters. I don't, like, I don't get a lot of negativity coming back at me but anything i say or put out is going to be seen by a lot more people that's great but it can make it harder at times am i hesitant to talk about this or post that or are people going to misunderstand this mm-hmm. thing or whatever you know or is this off topic and all that kind of stuff the one one of the advantages of not having a lot of people paying attention to you is you can kind of do what you want Right. And you, there's no real repercussions and you can play around and really kind of find yourself as a creator. The other thing along those lines is it's funny. Like little things, little bits of progress can be so exciting. Like I remember, and I think anyone you talk to, no matter how like successful they've become, will remember the first dollar they made online. Mm-hmm. I remember when I sold a $10 PDF and my mind was blown. Because I was like, oh my God, like somebody across the world bought this idea, this PDF that I wrote for $10, (laughs) like this is even possible? This is crazy, right? And whereas now, and again, this is not meant as a humble brag at all, but now when that becomes a more regular occurrence... It's not quite, it's not the it same of excitement. Right. Now, now it's, oh, but this didn't do as well as the previous thing I did or whatever. It changes that dynamic. And then the last thing I would say is that, and I highly recommend this. It's funny. I see this narrative of you can just be a creator and work for yourself. And you see a lot of people, especially young people going, starting out even before they go to school or have a job or whatever. And that's fine, but I think there are massive advantages to having a job. And again, you've had a successful career already. You've done things. And I actually think that's a huge advantage. I was, my first blog was in 1999. I was doing stuff all throughout that. I didn't go full-time as an entrepreneur until 2016. So what that means is for all those years when I was growing my audience and experimenting and doing all this stuff, I didn't have to make a living off of it. That's and a that point. makes yeah. it huge that removes so much of the pressure. It allows you to make different decisions. Like I see a lot of people who are trying to do the creator entrepreneurs thing, and they're trying to make a living on it, and that makes everything more difficult. Plus, all those years that I had jobs working in marketing and journalism and entertainment industry, I learned a ton of stuff. I made a ton of relationships. It all informed me getting to where I wanted to go. So I think that's the other piece of this that I would say is you can remove some of that pressure of early days. Even if you have a part-time job, a separate revenue stream a something, I think it's a lot of pressure to start from zero and say, okay, now this is how I'm going to make my living and I need to go build an audience. It can be done, but I do think it makes it more challenging.
1: Got it. So did you find yourself when you first started out, I'm sure your content and your audience kind of evolved over time. But I'm curious to hear if your messaging towards the beginning when you first started out is different or similar to what you're doing now. I'm sure it's kind of evolved as you've changed.
0: Yeah, it's completely evolved. And I think in some ways you're talking a little bit about niche because messaging and positioning really relates to niche. And I see that something as forever evolving. And it certainly has for me. So years ago, I was working in the comedy industry and I started a blog called Connected Comedy that was all about helping comedians grow their audience, right? Now that's similar to what I do now, but it was very comedy specific and some, and it was successful. I grew an audience, but somewhere along the line, I was no longer in my day job, day life working in the comedy industry. And I kind of was like, why am I giving comedy to, I kind of evolved out of it. And so that's when I eventually shifted and moved away from that and initially went broader with For the Interested, which is originally for anyone that wants to improve in their work, art, and life. And mm-hmm. then that got narrowed down to creators and creators got narrowed down to creative entrepreneurs and and it's forever evolving. And I think that's important for people to realize too, because I think people get paralyzed in the beginning thinking they need to, well, if I say this is my niche, I'm stuck in that niche forever. And it's like, no, you're not. Like whatever, even in success, it's gonna evolve and change. So yeah, it's definitely an evolution. Yeah, let's ready to jump to your second question here.
1: Yeah. Are there any growth tactics that kind of helps you kickstart this creator career that you have, especially at the beginning, feels like nothing's really working. And then curious if it was more of a steady, consistent climb. Or if there were moments when you're like, wow, this really worked. And now I finally found something that can really help me from this seed that I planted. Was there ever that moment or was it just a consistent effort? I would say a combination of the two. So I would
0: say that, and it's funny because it depends how you look at it, right? So on a macro level, if you zoom way out, I could go, yeah, it was this steady climb. But on a micro level of a few months, a year, maybe even a few years, it wasn't necessarily always going up and to the right. Mm. Very sort of plateau and, oh, maybe this is a thing. Because the other thing you have to keep in mind is there's so many moving parts with this. So me or you or whoever it is, you're figuring out how to do this and what you like to do and what you want to do and how you can do it best. But simultaneously, your interests are evolving and your and experiences are evolving in your own life, which influences this. The platform, the audience, the things the world wants in general are evolving. So you have all these moving targets, right? It's not like the, it's not like the playing field is static and you just have to figure out how to win the game. Mm-hmm. Everything is constantly in motion. And sometimes those things will line up perfectly and a lot of times they won't. And sometimes they'll be lined up perfectly, but then the game tilts and all of a mm-hmm. sudden, and you, could, you see this all the time with platforms, right? You see these people who maybe had built a huge following on Vine and they think they got it, they crack the code and then Vine disappears, that kind of thing. But I think in general, and I'm gonna give you some specific growth tactics that I used at the end. I think it's important to talk about it a little more broadly because it's gonna be different. People are gonna try to grow different things. Two big things are consistency and focus. So consistency, and I learned both of these the hard way, but these are the two levers that when I honed in on consistency and focus, that in general has tended to sort of fuel my growth. In the beginning, I used to start and stop stuff all the time. I'd start a blog, I'd run it for three months, six months, maybe a year. Then i get another idea and I'd scrap that one I'd start another one. I'd start a newsletter, I'd get rid of it. Literally, I, I can't even count how many times I did that and all different niches and different stuff, which is fine. Cause I do think it's part of the process of finding your way. But, you know, every once in a while, I would think about, wow, if I would have just been doing the same thing from the start, which is completely unrealistic. Like it's not a regret, but that stop and start, I was basically starting over every time just with a new set of knowledge and experience. So finding something that I could do consistently. My newsletter really took off when I started, you know, I've stuck with it now for six years and no, as opposed to stopping and starting new ones and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. That's the first thing. The second thing is focus. I think focus is really important and not just in a way of like a deep work focus. I don't mean that, but I mean, focus on what you're actually doing and where you're investing your time and resources. And the perfect example of this for me is Twitter. I used Twitter for years. I think I was first on it in like 2008. I was using it, a lot of people do, post whatever, and I really wasn't all that strategic about it. And it wasn't really growing. And I was also, I was using Facebook and I was using Instagram and I was using whatever. And all of them were doing okay, but none of it was really growing. A few years ago, I decided to only use Twitter. That's what I mean by focus. As soon as I said, I'm going to invest, instead of spreading my social media time across multiple platforms, I'm going to invest all that time in one platform, which is going to allow me to engage with more people, to put more time into that content, to understand that platform. And as soon as I did, that's when my Twitter following started to take off. Strongly recommend that for people starting out and honestly, even established people, one platform you will grow faster investing your time in one social platform than you will spreading it across multiple social platforms and see those those two factors consistency and focus are really crucial and most of the people that i talk to who are struggling it's usually because they're having a problem with one of those two things right and i actually have a blog post that sort of talks about this in a slightly different way and we'll link it in the show notes But basically, I've found that if your audience isn't growing, it's either because you're not doing enough or you're doing too much, almost always. And that's a different version of consistency and focus. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Some people are going, I don't know why this isn't growing. Or they go, I don't know why my newsletter is not growing or my podcast isn't growing. And I'll look at them and I go, well, you put out one episode every six months. So how's it going to grow? You're not doing enough. And other Mm -hmm. people will go, I don't know why my... Instagram account isn't growing, and I'll look at it and I'll go, well, you're spending all your time on Twitter and YouTube, you're doing 8 million things and ignoring people that are replying to your Instagram posts Mm -hmm. to do less and focus, and then it will grow. What's interesting is when I ask people this, and I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you this now, most people, when I ask them, do you think you're doing too much or do you think you're doing not enough
1: or too much, what would you say? So this is a really interesting question for me because I have a couple of different businesses that I'm running on top of this. And so I'm trying to juggle managing my teams and growing this business, or I guess just building an audience in general. I feel like I'm doing too much, yet Mm -hmm. not enough. It's like a weird thing where it comes Well, so so you're saying you feel like you're doing too much overall counting the other businesses you're
0: running. But when it comes to just the, if you were looking at the creator side in a
1: vacuum, would you say you're doing too much or not enough? So my focus right now for social platform, I've chosen Twitter and LinkedIn. And so perhaps Mm -hmm. I should just pare that down to one. And then on the content side, so I have this podcast, which I'm consistently putting out each week. And that takes Mm -hmm. up a lot of time, but then I'm actually trying to, Create a newsletter now, and that's been mm-hmm. on my mind for 2023. I'm like, okay, I gotta start a newsletter because you know I've heard a lot of synergy between podcasts and newsletter. Mm-hmm. And so I've, ha- I've, I'm kind of that's in the back of my mind as I'm going starting this year. And I'm just, I feel really overwhelmed with finally getting this podcast going consistently. But then now I'm trying mm-hmm. to add this new thing in there. Yeah, I mean, those are. I just feel like I'm. Okay. Maybe I should just pare it down and not even worry about the newsletter for now, and just focus on the podcast. Um,
0: I'll give you a few suggestions. And first of all, I'm biased because I think everyone should have a newsletter. I think it's like crucially important and the best connection you can have to people. My newsletter is the biggest driver of traffic to my podcast by far, not even close. I'm very much pro newsletter, but a couple things. One is, I think a good exercise to do for everyone, by the way, even if you don't, even if you don't think you're doing too much is to look at what you're doing and say, okay, if I had to stop doing 10% or 20% of what I'm doing, had to, and had to get the same results I'm currently getting, what would I stop? Because I think even if you don't do it, it's a really helpful exercise to go through because I think a lot of times when people are looking at stuff, they're looking at it and going, I do this thing, do I need to do it? And they go, yeah, I need to do it. But when you shift the question to, if I had to get rid of something, what right. is actually what is the least helpful versus is this helpful? Shifts mm. the whole shifts the whole mindset. So that's a good exercise to do. The next thing I would say is it's interesting you mentioned like synergy between newsletter and podcast, but there's also synergy between newsletter and your social channels or whatever. The way I like to think about it is your. And everyone has their own system for creating and distributing content. But all of these things are just distribution outlets essentially for ideas that you have and what to put in the world. An episode of your podcast could easily be a bunch of tweets, could easily be your newsletter. And this is the other thing. People have assumptions about what a newsletter is, that it involves a lot of extra work, and that couldn't be further from the truth. My newsletter, my daily newsletter is like a sentence. And by the way, people love it. People love, Mm. as long as it's valuable, right? All you have to do is send them something valuable. So for you, your new, and I'm not saying this is what it should be, but just as an example, your newsletter could be, here's the best 30 seconds of this podcast episode. And here's a link to an article, a resource, a video, something else that relates to that topic, and that's it. If you're doing that as your newsletter, That's not adding that much more work. Yes, it's still some more work, but it's not adding that much more work. And it's valuable. So I think that's a key piece of this, this sort of content overwhelm part. A key piece of it is understanding how to maximize and get more and repurpose the stuff that you're doing. This conversation we're having right now is a little bit of an example. We were on Twitter and had a little exchange. I could have replied to you, we could have had that Twitter exchange and it could have been done. Instead, I'm like, you know what? Let's hop on. Let's record this conversation. And this will become content that goes on my podcast, goes on YouTube, goes on Twitter, et cetera. So I think that's that's definitely a piece of it. So just before we move on to the next question, I do want to give you some specific growth tactics beyond the sort of overall mindset that worked for me. So my main thing is my newsletter. So I'll kind of speak to how that grew. My newsletter grew primarily from original content. I think original content is the best way for most things to grow and with consistency. I wrote a blog post every week. I wrote a newsletter every week. And then I would tweet daily as time went on. That original stuff and all of it was designed. It's funny, I had a realization recently, which I think I've always operated this way, but hadn't really thought about it, that my blog posts actually exist to grow my newsletter. That's why, like, I started being like, well, why am I actually writing these blog posts? What do I want? Yes, I want to help people and I want them to read it and I want them to get something of it. But when I started to realize the point of the blog post is to grow the newsletter, that's the sort of key metric, the center of my universe. Then it's obvious to like, in your newsletter, which again, I would promote my newsletter in there anyway, but it was interesting my mindset of this exists to convince someone to attract and convince someone who's going to find value in my newsletter. A few years ago, not as much anymore, but I used to syndicate my articles to Medium. i would literally just copy and paste them and publish them on Medium. I got a lot of subscribers from that. I'd plug my newsletter in it. I used to get a lot more traffic there. I feel like Medium's audience has gone down significantly. I still do it but I don't get nearly the traction that I used to. In the early days, I ran Facebook ads to promote my newsletter. So I'd spent some money on that. And again, a lot of experimentation to get to the point where I got ads that were working pretty well. So I definitely did some of that. Cross promotions as time went on and I started to develop relationships with people. Cross promotions with other newsletters worked really well. And then news, and this is more in recent years, but newsletter ads I found worked really well for me and were pretty cost effective. But again, it always evolves. Like I ran a bunch of Facebook ads early on. I don't run any now. I don't think that I really would. Medium was really good early on, doesn't really get me much now. So I think that's the other thing is again, this moving target, everything evolves. What works for me won't necessarily work for others. You kind of got to find your own way because there's a lot of variables cool so let's get
1: to your third question what's the next thing you want to know so let's say you were starting from scratch right you got nothing right no followers nothing no podcast no newsletter today how would you Mm -hmm. approach what you're doing now just from scratch what platform would you choose how where would you go to build that audience just right now in Mm -hmm. today's age
0: well, first of all, I'll we'll put a link in the show notes. I don't remember what episode it was, but there's an episode where I talked about basically how I'd build a $100,000 a year business from scratch. So that, that relates to some of this, that if you're interested, people can go check out. I'm going to talk about, because I knew we were going to be talking about sort of new creators and like where to start and what to do, kind of what you're getting at. And I literally challenged myself and I jotted down a list. I was like, all right what are the, if someone is like a new creator and they're like, what the hell do I do? I was like, I'm just going to write down 10, just literally like off the top of my head, what are the first 10 things that I would tell them to do? And I tried to make this sort of universal because maybe they're doing a podcast, maybe they're doing a newsletter, maybe they're doing whatever it is that they're doing. So it's not necessarily specific to that, but here are the 10 sort of tips or advice I have for new creators. So Number one, and this is by far the most important, is you need to get clear on who you want to help, what you want to help them do, and what transformation you want to help them make. A lot of people are creating content and trying to grow audiences, and they don't really know the answer to that. They don't know who they want to help. They don't know what they want to help them do. It's all over the place, and that makes it almost impossible to grow no matter how good your content is. That sort of self-clarity on audience and also what you're trying to do and help them is the first thing. Then the next thing aligned with that, number two would be, make sure that everything you create, content, products, services, whatever, is aligned with those things. So if you know you're trying to help this specific audience get this specific thing, everything you do should be aligned to that. Don't then go start talking about some other stuff because that just creates confusion and et cetera. The third thing is I would say, and I touched on this a little before, pick one social platform to focus on. Certainly don't try to be everywhere. Two at most, maybe you can make an argument that if you're using the second one and you're basically sharing similar stuff and maybe you can get away with it. Some of this depends on how much time you have. But in general, I would say pick one. Definitely do not try to be everywhere. The one you pick should be based on the one that you most enjoy using just as a regular user. I love Twitter, that's why I'm focused on Twitter. A lot of times I think people assume, oh, I need to be on TikTok because that's the hot thing, or I need to be on Instagram because whatever. But if you don't actually like using those platforms the most, it's probably not gonna work as well. And the truth is, any one of these platforms has more than enough people for you to accomplish your goals. So this is hard. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. Pick the one that you enjoy the most. If you mentioned that you use Twitter and LinkedIn, if you were going to cut down to only one of them, I think you're fine on each. My advice would be, which one do you really like using as a user more? Which community do you feel more a part of and focus on that? The fourth bit of advice would be, especially when you're starting out, set an output goal, not an outcome goal. So what I mean is a lot of people I see are like, oh, I need to get a 1,000 subscribers this year. And it's like, you're better off saying I'm going to post a 100 episodes or a 100 issues or whatever. You want to set an output goal that is completely in your control, that is guaranteed. Audience growth is never in your control. You can influence it, but it's never in your control. Nothing can stop you from an output goal. And that also allows you to start feeling some of the adrenaline boost of success and a win. If my goal was to produce 100 issues and I do it, I'm going to feel good, even if I don't have as big an audience as I want. And it also gives you, depending on how you set the goal, it gives you an opportunity to change directions without feeling like you're quitting or giving up. So if someone said, I'm going to do 20, when I started this podcast, right, in my own mind, I was like, I'm going to do 12 episodes, one a week for three months, and then I'm going to see where I'm at. And if I decide I don't like doing it, if it doesn't seem worth it, it's easier to walk away. But, you know, you created that moment. A lot of people start stuff with no output commitment. And then from day one, they're like, should I quit? Is it working? Should I, should I go on? What do I do? It's much easier to set an output target, and then you're free to make the decision and not feel like you're giving up. They're like, oh, I said I was going to do this. I did it. Now it's time to do something else. The fifth one, and this is something I've really just realized in the past year or so, I think it's really helpful when it comes to creating stuff to try to come up with a unique twist on a form. So my newsletter only being, a there's lots of newsletters about audience and business growth. There's lots of newsletters for creative entrepreneurs. Not a lot of newsletters are a sentence or a paragraph. So that little thing, and that's not going to be for everyone. But it's going to make me stand out. It's unique. It's not all. You see a lot of newsletters that all feel the same. You see a lot of podcasts. You listen to a lot of podcasts that all feel the same. And the same thing when I was coming up with this podcast, it was like I wanted something that was a little unique. There's a million shows with people bringing guests on and interviewing them. I was like, let's flip it. I want to have people come on and ask me the question. It always bugged me that in podcasts, there was so much what I call fluff. There was so much, tell me about yourself. When I do this podcast, I have the guests like, we're going to do a three-sentence intro. We're going to do three questions that you've sent me in advance. Because I want to give, how do I give people as much value per minute as possible? And those are things that do that. That has created a somewhat unique format, which helps it stand out. So I think for people just starting out, no matter what it is you're going to do, if you can find a little twist or something unique on it that helps you stand out, I think that can help in a lot of ways. Number six, build relationships. I think most people overlook how important relationships are, both with your audience and with other creators. Those relationships are gold in terms of growth tactics. Even people that don't have huge, obviously people that have big audiences, but even if they don't, Other people that are starting out when you and the you are and having your audience feel like they know you and you know them, the better you know them, the better you're going to be able to serve them, the better they feel like they know you, the more they're going to care and the more invested they are going to be in you. It's funny. Lots of people will ask me, how do I get more followers? No one really asks me, how do I build better relationships? One Good relationship can grow your audience more than almost anything that you could do. So build relationships. The next one, the seventh one, I would say this is for people that struggle sometimes figuring out what kind of content to create or that alignment with, okay, they know what they want, but they're not sure what to do to get there. I think a really helpful exercise is write a list of 50 questions or challenges that your target audience has. Your answers to those questions are all content. So your podcast, for example, right? You could write down a list, your target audience. You go, I'm going to write down 50 questions that I think my target audience has. Every episode is going to address. And it doesn't have to be, hey, here's today's question, right? It can be in the background. You could be like, oh, I want to talk about how to raise money or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be today's episode is question three, how to raise money. No, it could be, how could I help people figure out how to raise money? Oh, I could do an episode with this guy who's an expert. Mm Do an episode where I tell my story. So it gives you an alignment for infinite content. So you should never struggle for ideas. And the other thing is if you struggle to come up with 50 questions or challenges that your target audience would have, you probably don't know them well enough and or it's not a good target audience or you don't know what their transformation is. So that's another sort of very tactical tip. The eighth one, and we talked about this a little before. Be patient and realistic. It's gonna take time. I say to people with newsletters all the time, newsletters don't go viral. I don't care how great your newsletter (laughs) is, you're not getting a million subscribers overnight. So I think going into it with those realistic expectations of I have a long-term view. Yes, I wanna be making progress, but this is not gonna be like an overnight thing is important. Number nine, and this is this one always is interesting to me, invest in yourself, if possible, spend money to grow and learn. It's interesting when I talked about those growth tactics, I said I ran Facebook ads, I ran newsletter ads. It's amazing to me how many people will invest a 100 hours of their time into creating something and then won't spend $100 to get people to see it. Like, I think you owe it to yourself if you can afford it. And I'm not talking about millions and thousands of dollars, right? I'm saying... If you wrote a blog post and you're not willing to spend $10 to promote it on Facebook, that's a problem. It just is. And that also can extend to learning and buying courses or coaches or consultants or whatever. There's a lot of different ways to invest in what you're doing. But I think that investment is important. And then the last thing, again, kind of comes full circle. I said it before, have a newsletter. Even if it's really simple, email is the strongest connection you can have to your audience. I actually think anyone's main audience growth goal should be to grow that list because it's the most reliable way to reach people with anything, even if you're a email subscriber is better than a YouTube subscriber, even if you have a YouTube channel. Same thing with podcasts. Like, I think that should be a core of what you're doing and understanding that when people do see your content, you want to give them a reason to give you your email and get that connection so that you can reach. It's a lot of times people will just start a newsletter and it's this thing over here. Well, that thing over there needs you to drive people back to it. So I think if you're just starting out and you try to do those 10 things or even some of those 10 things... They'll help you along the right path. And I think more importantly, help you get through what is a tough go of it initially, that perseverance. Yeah, it's going to be hard and it's going to be slow and you're going to wonder if it's going in the right direction. And hopefully those things help. Any questions about any of that?
1: I'm curious because you mentioned, I think it was number nine, about spending a little bit of money to get eyeballs on your content. Do you think that might actually I guess kind of attract not your like a target like your target audience? because so if you're running a paid ad and you know you're paying let's say a hundred a few hundred dollars to get people to subscribe to your newsletter, are you worried that won't be like the quality of the audience won't be strong versus if someone comes through you through Twitter, for example, when they've already had a relationship with you on Twitter so they know what to expect from you but Kind of a colder paid ad acquisition campaign might seem a little more i don't know like rushed or just a little forced. I'm just kind of I'm curious to hear your thoughts
0: well, so here, yeah, so here's the key. The key is it's it's funny because you're actually you're actually talking about two separate things, so one is the decision to invest money in growing your audience, let's say. Mm -hmm. So you have a podcast. So the first question is, am I going to spend any money to grow my podcast? That's one separate decision. If you decide, yes, spending money to grow my podcast audience makes sense. I'm going to spend $200. Now, the next question is, What's the best use of the $200 I'm going to spend to grow my podcast? And that's where you can brainstorm and ultimately experiment, but brainstorm a ton of different options. So, for example, when I promote my newsletter, I'm doing it very specifically to the right types of audiences who are going to like it. They can see what my newsletter is. I'm never doing a thing where I'm never tricking people into subscribing. I'm never buying lists of email addresses or Mm -hmm. any of that like shady stuff. What I'm doing is I'm paying to expose it to people who I think are gonna like it. Mm -hmm. And so, and there's a million different ways to do that. And it depends on what the product is and what the audience is, all that kind of stuff. So if you do it right and do it effectively, you are, and you can also measure that, right? You can go, hey, I ran this ad here and especially with newsletters. Podcasts, it gets a little murkier. It's a little trickier. But I can, with a newsletter, go, okay, 20 people subscribed that saw it in on that guy's website from that ad I ran, and 19 of them unsubscribed two weeks later. Mm-hmm. That was not worth it. Or 20 of them subscribed, and two weeks later, they're all there. So newsletters give you a, li- a little better metrics than podcasts. But even with podcasts, there's a version of that, right? You could create a page on your website that has some sort of, oh, do you want this best of clip or whatever? Something that allows people to opt in and, and then judge. So I think that's the separate question there is, is it worth investing? And now how do I get whatever is the best thing that I want from that? You might find it's something completely different, right? You might go, you know what? I'm going to sponsor other podcasts. I'm going to, you might go, okay, well, here's a show that has the exact audience I want. that That kind of thing but that's how I would think about it. A lot of people get, they don't even get to the, what's the best use of this money because they're just, I don't have money to promote my blog posts, Mm -hmm. which is by the way, which is fine. Maybe they don't. And if they don't, then that's a separate question of, well, it'll just take longer. I see all these things as sliding scales. Money, let me see if I can remember this because it's been a while since I talked about this. Money, time, and effort are all sliding scales. The more money you have, to invest in growing something, the less time and effort mm. you need. The more time you have, the less money and effort you need. The more effort you have, the less time and money. So everybody has those three scales and people have different, different things that they can play with, right? Like, for example, you have other stuff to do, so your time is limited. Maybe that means you spend a little more money. Maybe and spend money might be promotion, but it also might be hiring someone to help you with something, you know, someone to edit the podcast, someone to write the newsletter, whatever it is. But that's the way I think about it. When people go, I have no time, I have no effort, and I have no money to put into this, but I still want to grow. It's luck. Right. like yeah. I guess I guess it's possible, but you kind of got to do one of the, one or more of the three.
1: That that's really interesting. The money, time and effort at sliding scale. It's a really good way of thinking about it. Yeah.
0: And it also helps because I think it helps you realize that everybody has, of those three things, has advantages and disadvantages. You having these other businesses, your time is tight. That's a disadvantage. You're gonna have less time than me to work on your creator career. But those businesses might also generate money for you, which gives you money that you can invest to make up for the lack of time and whatever. So I think it also helps people who feel like, oh, how am I ever gonna do this? Everybody usually has, and maybe it's just a willingness to work hard. Some people are just willing to work harder than other people are. It kind of depends. But any last questions before we wrap up here?
1: No, I think you covered a lot of bases. So yeah, that's yeah. thanks so much for all that advice. It's really valuable.
0: Cool. Thank you. So let people know where they can follow you, connect with you, listen to your podcast, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So if you're interested, you can listen to my podcast at firstclassfounders.com. I can go there and click on your podcast player that you want that you listen to. And you can find me on Twitter at Young Chung.
0: You can also find me on Twitter at J Spector. If you haven't gotten my newsletter yet, please do for the interested slash subscribe. I also offer a series of skill sessions, which are one-hour video workshops. You can check out at joshspector.com slash sessions. And if you want to talk about coaching or consulting, I do that as well. Go to joshspector.com slash consulting. And if you would like to come on this show and ask me three questions, you can go to joshspector.com slash questions to apply. Or hit me up on Twitter like Yang did and you'll wind up on here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I will see you next week.